This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. And everybody, we have a very colorful show for you today. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Christy Landwehr from Aurora, Colorado. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for this August 15th, episode 1761. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, horse world. Houston, we have a problem. Ability equals skill plus knowledge. I got a bad feeling about this. Here's a safety tip for you from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Missed it by that much. How can I change this to make it better the next time? How do I get yeah. Time for Training Tuesday on Horses in the Morning with the Certified Horsemanship Association. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Horses in the Morning. We're back live again this morning. We have, of course, Christy with us. Hi, Christy. Good morning, Glenn. Well, it's uh, it's been it's been a uh, wild month since I've talked to you last, and in your life and ours, it it just seems to be flying by. And we're we're what two months away from your your meeting, your your national meeting. Okay, yeah, that stresses me out. Thanks for that, Glenn. <laughs> Anytime, I'm here to help. <laughs> just wanted to remind you, you need to get to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's time to get to work. Snuff sloughing off over there, Christy. <laughs> uh, and you know it's the big 50th too so the big 50th equals a lot more little details than normal which is fine but oh boy yeah i mean I just i can't imagine with doing those national conferences what it must be like because there's also award ceremonies usually too right oh yeah yeah and you got to get all of that every little ribbon and plaque and <laughs> gotta get the name spelled right and all that stuff uh-huh yeah it's fabulous. And then the scripts, and every now and then you have a uh, volunteer board member like your president that decides to go off script, and they call it a totally different conference because they get themselves all confused, and they say that they're somewhere else than they really are. <laughs> it's great. Great. Yeah. That happened a few years ago. We're like, ah, yeah, wrong event. Wrong what? <laughs> it was pretty funny. I, I've seen that happen to speakers too. I, I, at all kinds of conferences, where they say the name of the event, we're glad to be here at such and such, and I'm going, wait, am I at the wrong place? Exactly. <laughs> and that <laughs> never happens to you, Glenn. You never say you're at the wrong place. No, that never, never. I get my never. shows mixed up no. here all the time. But we are in horses in the morning. <laughs> I know that this morning because I'm, I'm awake and it's first thing in the morning. So. That's how you can tell that. <laughs> Jennifer, what's coming up on today's show? Coming up on today's Certified Horsemanship Association episode, we're going to chat with Dr. Anne-Marie Chalmers from WellPride about omega-3s and horse health. And then Craig Wood, president of the American Paint Horse Association, brings us up to speed on the state of the horse industry from his point of view and how the APHA is keeping up. And then Certified Horsemanship Association 
certified instructor. That's a lot of certifieds. And APHA director of youth, amateur activities, Christine Henry Gillette. And she's going to be talking about the future of youth programs. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Well, you do have the 50th anniversary conference coming up. We're going to be there. That's in October. We're going to be in Lexington. I'll be in Lexington twice in October, the way it looks now. Oh, what else are you going there for? Uh, looks like we're going to be going up. Wendy and I might be doing the color commentary for a carriage event the first weekend. So uh, so we're probably nice. going to be going up for a, a CDE the first weekend at the Kentucky Horse Park. I was hoping it would be the same weekend as yours. It would have worked out beautifully. But it, of course, it's not. It never works that way. No, it makes you have to go there twice. Of yeah. course. Yeah, but I like Lexington. That's all right, though. There's, there's worse places to go. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, it's pretty. And then that time of year, it's nice. It's very nice in October. And for our everyday listeners. We're excited about it. I wanted to tell you to head over to Horses in the Morning. We have a winner in the Mongol Derby. We posted that this morning, and we'll be doing another live event tonight at 8 o'clock on our Facebook page. So for those of you that are following, we've had this rabid group of fans following and, you know, every minute of every day. So uh, we will be doing, we'll be doing another show tonight and probably one tomorrow night. So we'll be wrapping it up, and you'll find those all on the Horses in the Morning feeds. So I wanted to mention that. Nobody's getting any sleep over here at uh, at the Horse Radio Network this week. No, I was going to say you're on twenty four seven right now. Yeah, uh, yes, I. You know, I can't imagine how tired the riders are because all of us watching are exhausted. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're eating normal food. <laughs> so there's that. So now, yes. what's the deadline for registering? If people want to come to the CHA conference, the 50th anniversary conference, what's the deadline for registering? If they register by the end of this month, August 31st, they actually get a pretty good um, discount. Otherwise, you can you can register even there. You can show up and be a part of it. But we like to get some of those people ahead of time so we know exactly how much food to order, things like that. So it is nice if you could do it by the end of this month and get the discount. And who, who, who celebrity-wise is going to be there? You know, we have lots of fun people coming. We've got um, Julie Goodnight, who's our international spokesperson, who, of course, we love her. And she's going to be speaking on For Mature Audiences Only which is going to be how to teach the older rider. We are all finding that we have people coming to us that are 65 and never ridden before. We're like, oh boy, and here we go. And it's been, it's super. It's one of those sports where you, you can do at any age. Finally, so she's going to be speaking on me. that topic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure you're there that day and not busy out gallivanting. <laughs> and uh, who else? What else do you have going on? We have, you know, overall about 50 speakers. So if you don't like one, there's certainly going to be another. Um, Julie is one of our keynoters. And then we have um, some others that are keynoters as well. Actually, Dave Andrick and Melissa Kitchen are coming from Active Interest Media. And they're coming to our actual awards banquet. And they're going to show a ton of their videos. They do a lot of videos right now. Um, and they have just a, a really amazing um, video crew over there. And the videos are fun. So I think that's going to be a fun session just to find out more about what AIM does. AIM does quite a bit in our industry. And I don't think a lot of people know that. And they actually provide Stable Management Magazine for all of our instructors. So it's going to be kind of fun to find out more about them. And then we have breakout sessions, three at a time. One is always a lecture. So 
we're going to have veterinarians in there and farriers and all kinds of folks talking about um, nutrition and feeding the older horse since most of us have less than horses that are older, things like that. And then there's two arenas going on on simultaneously that people can ride in the session, sign up to ride, or they can uh, audit. And that's going to be, boy, every discipline under the sun, from jumping to reining to uh, Western horsemanship to uh, anything you want to know about how to teach a certain discipline and how to teach certain groups of folks. Very cool. And how how many days does it run? How How does that work? So it starts on Thursday morning, and that's the morning that we're going to be doing our show, our radio show. And that's all hotel-based, and we're at the Marriott Griffin Gate, which is right there by the horse park. And then we bus people over on both Friday and Saturday to the horse park, and the awards banquet is Saturday night. And then people have Sunday to kind of do their own thing. Very cool. Very cool. So, and where do they go to register if they're in the area? I know we have a lot of Kentucky listeners in Tennessee and Ohio. Yes, it's CHA.horse. And again, you do not have to be a member of ours. Um, it is open to anybody that loves a horse, has a horse, one day wants to have a horse. Um, we have beginner, intermediate, and advanced sessions in all things. So it's kind of for everyone who likes our four-legged critters that we all love. And, and I can't stress enough, and I, I know this because we just got back from Ada, and I'm heading off to the National Podcasting Conference next week, International Podcasting Conference next week, the biggest one they have in Anaheim. I can't stress enough the importance of networking at these events. You know, you can go, and I assume it's the same way at yours, you can go to these events and sit in every session and you'll learn things. But the biggest things that will happen for your business come between sessions with the people you meet and need to talk to. I completely agree. And that's why we include all meals with our session. Um, and those meals are normally served at round tables that seat eight. So if you're really smart about it, you don't sit with those you come with. You sit with people that you don't know and you meet them. And every meal, that's quite a few meals. So you'll end up meeting quite a few people. So I agree, Glenn. That's what I do too when I go on these. I kind of look over the list of people that might be there. And when I get there, I go, oh, these are some people I definitely want to meet. And then I just spontaneously meet people I had no idea, and which is great too. And you never know what's going to happen, you know, as you're sitting there at dinner. I, and I've had that happen a hundred times with the podcasting conferences, with the people we've met that we're now doing things with. Uh, actually, I met uh, our editor, Wild Style Media, at one of those conferences, and they do all our editing now. I would have never met I would. They wouldn't be our doing our editing now and helping us out if I hadn't met them at a conference. So that's one of the things about getting out there, especially in our industry. It, it you know, it is a large industry, but it's also a small industry. And those people that you meet there, at some point, you could be helping each other. And, Absolutely, yeah. we've had the same exact thing happen. I, I picked up um, freelancers that help us now write articles for our magazine, and they do our blog. Our talks, and they just do a bunch of different things for us. And I met most of them at these conferences, so yeah. it's been good. You know, it's funny because when digital came in, everybody said those conferences would die. You know, you would never have to travel again. You'll never be going to a conference again. I actually think in the last two to three years, they become more important than ever. I think, I think that meeting people in person has become more of a thing than less of a thing because because we have such. Because in every day we're on the computer with this kind of virtual friendship with people, and now it's become more valuable to actually meet them and talk to them in person. I would agree. I think our 
our conference over the years, we've stayed pretty steady, you know, in numbers, except for actually, ironically enough, the last few years, we've actually been going up. And I wonder if it's for that exact same reason, you know, that people want to want to break from their daily routine and they want to go out and meet others. And, you know, as us as writing instructors, I think we get kind of stuck in the arena. Literally, we get stuck in our own heads. We teach the same thing over and over and over again. And you go to one of these conferences and you say, oh, my gosh, there's like 10,000 ways to teach whatever that subject is. I had no idea. I've been doing it the same way all the time. I'm going to shake it up a little bit when I go back home. And I think even if you're not a an instructor as the person riding in the lesson, you can go, I'm going to ask my instructor if I can do that. Or when I practice on my horse, I'm going to try that. And it just gives us some new information and some excitement. That's right. And that, you know, I think that's what, that's why it is so important. So what we're saying is get out of the basement and go out and go to the CHA conference. That's what we're saying. <laughs> By the way, that's right. There was a gaming right beside the Ada. I got to tell you this. Right beside, speaking of conferences, right beside the Ada in the same building as the Ada show on the other half was a gamers conference, and let me t- a virtual reality gamers conference. And let me tell you. When you saw those guys coming in and out, and by the way, I think I saw two girls. The rest were guys. It did. They were pasty. It did not look like they had got out. It was a stereotype <laughs> that you could just imagine, and it worked. Uh, it did not look like these guys had seen the light of day in years. Uh, it was. It was kind of funny, actually. Uh, it was just what you would imagine. That's why you said that the basement comment? Now I. I get it. It yes. all links together. <laughs> yes, that's why I said I was thinking we were joking about it all weekend about how these guys had never come out of mom and dad's basement at the age of 35. They had never left. So Jennifer is getting our first guest on. And uh, I, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, omega threes and fish oils and things like that. Is that something that you take personally? You know, I think those pasty people in the basement might need it. <laughs> yes. And yes, I actually love oil. Yes. You know, I, I do CrossFit. I'm not really good at it. So anybody who's listening going, oh, she's crazy about CrossFit. Yeah, no, I'm not really very good at it. I do lightweight CrossFit. But in my CrossFit, um, I was getting a little bit stiff and a little bit sore. I'm thinking, am I already getting arthritis? I'm only in my 40s. I'm already getting arthritis. And my coach said, just take fish oil. So I did. I started taking fish oil once a day, and I'll tell you right now, first of all, it doesn't taste bad because it's in this fabulous capsule. You don't taste it at all. Swallow it right down with any other vitamins you might take, and it did help, and I got very happy that I wasn't just getting arthritis at an early age, that I was actually, I think, needing some of that to lubricate and help me out, so I'm excited to have our uh, Dr. Chalmers on to tell us a little bit more about how all it works because I don't really know how it works. I just take it and know that I feel better. Well, there you go. That's that's in the in the end. That's what counts. But Dr. Chalmers is ready. <laughs> okay, here oh, I am. Wonderful. Yes. So excited. Hi, Dr. Anne Marie. I'm going to introduce you officially, and then we'll get started. It's so good to have you on. Well, so, Dr. Anne Marie Chalmers is the co-founder and president of Well Pride. She's born and raised in the United States. She graduated from Brown University and completed her medical training at the University of Oslo in Norway. In Norway, Dr. Chalmers practiced emergency family and preventative medicine for many years, and her research and development work has focused on omega-3 for the last 20 years, which, of course, had you start WellPride. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Christy and, and Glenn. Interested, glad to be here. Well, back in, in 2003, we, there was a couple of small animal vets were using omega-3 fish oils for skin and joint problems with dogs and cats. 
but nobody was using omega-3 for horses. So we were struggling even to make uh, make medical physicians understand the value of omega-3s. And uh, we happened to be talking with a cardiologist who was fascinated with racing horses, and he heard us talk about omega-3s, and he said, I bet omega-3 fish oils would be extremely beneficial for racing horses with exercise-induced pulmonary hypertension and, you know, the bleeders. And there's really not a lot out there for them. So, but it, years later, this, this tr- was uh, shown to be true. But at the time then, we got together with a team of equine veterinarian specialists, and we did a series of pilot studies on racing and performance horses. And that ranged from scoping their, their lungs to taking x-ray pictures of their joints to looking into scoping their digestive system, analyzing their hoofs, studying sperm counts, and actually also looking at blood absorption rates. What we found was that there were very low levels of beneficial omega-3s, and uh, we found that there was an overriding amount of bad pro-inflammatory omega-6s that dominated these horses' fatty acid profile. So we concluded that fish oil would be a very simple and cost-effective way of balancing the the horse's immune and uh, systems and their inflammatory reactions, especially in these uh, racing horses and performance horses. So that's how we got started into into using uh, or recommending WellPride. Well, and tell me, um, Dr. Chalmers, I know, like I was mentioning before you came on, that my uh, CrossFit coach loves fish oil. He takes it a couple times a day, and he recommended I take it for some of the issues I was having. And I know personally what it's done for me, but what are some of the benefits of using omega-3 for not only people, but the horses? What What are some of the results that you see? Well, what's very important to understand is that omega-3 fatty acids, they make up the cell membrane in most organisms, be it humans, dogs, cats, birds, and, of course, horses. So without a well-functioning fluid cell membrane, you're going to have very poor uh, exchange of nutrients across the cell membrane. You're going to have chronic inflammation and poor signaling between cells. So we'll see both in the brain, if there's a shortfall of these very important uh, omega-3s, they're called the eicosapentaenoic acid and docosahexaenoic acid, uh, they can cause the synapses to fire improperly, uh, resulting in moodiness, unmanageability, and lack of focus. So uh, that also we see uh, in skin health, uh, that this is very helping with summer itch, and particularly with joints, we see that uh, too much omega-6s promote systemic inflammation, and the omega-3 research clearly indicates that joints hold up much better if you're getting the kinds of omega-3s that contain uh, the eicosapentaenoic acid, the EPA, and the, and the DHA for short. So uh, actually, a lot of vets are recommending uh, omega-3 fish oils to wean the horses off of butte. So it's not a quick fix, but with consistent use, it does re- have a pain-relieving effect. And then we see also in fertility that 60% of sperm is made up of the DHA fatty acids. So the 
it helps with uh, increasing sperm motility and the and the mares produce more focused, better coordinated offspring. And uh, I actually there was one farrier who was telling me that horses you need to tell people about the horse's poop because when a horse has great poop that disintegrates really rapidly, that means that their digestive system is working well. So it's good in terms of ulcers, preventing ulcers, and and uh, I think also in terms of colic too, helping it prevent that. And I'll tell you that is so true. As horse owners, we are constantly looking at our horse's poop. That's what, what we do. We're looking at it. We're making sure it's okay. We're not too dry, not too wet, you know, all these things about it. So that is just what the, the deck actually kind of cracks me up that you brought that up because I think it's so, so true. And it's such a telltale sign of if your horse is healthy or not. So is there anything in particular besides what you just mentioned that you think most horse owners don't know about a, a, omega-3s? Any misconceptions out there? Well, I think uh, when I hear people uh, writing or talking about omega-3s, they seem to lump it all in, into one group. So kind of the, the reader gets the impression that it's just one molecule. What people need to understand is that there's different types of omega-3s, and each of them have a different job in the body. And there's only two sources where you get all of them, and that's in fatty fish and in breast milk. So the omega-3s from, the veg- from a vegetable source, such as flaxseed, it only has ALA, the uh, alpha-linoleic acid. And that has to be converted to the longer-chain eicosapentaenoic acid, the EPA, and docosahexaenoic acid, DHA, to be useful. So it's the EPA that puts a damper on inflammation. And it's the DHA, which is, is important for signaling in the brain, and as I said, earlier, it's also important for sperm, uh, sperm motility. So if you have an overabundance of omega-6s that you, we often see today in processed foods, feeds, uh, this blocks the conversion of ALA to the EPA and DHA. So it's a little bit like having two football teams. On the one football team, you maybe have 20 omega-6 players. And on the other football team, on the omega-3 football team, you maybe only have one or two players. And both football teams are competing for the ball, or or rather, in this case, it's the enzyme that makes the conversion. So guess who gets the ball, or rather the enzyme? It's going to be the omega-6 team that creates inflammation in the body. And that's why it's important when you're... When you uh, use fish oil, you get ready-made EPA and DHA. So in essence, you're getting more bang for your buck. And by you have to use about one to two caps, uh, cups of flaxseed in order to get a teaspoon of the EPA found in fish oil. So in feeding your horse a good quality fat, you're going to get the most effective omega-3s when you give them the omega-3s from fish oil. So this brings me to my next question then. Horses are herbivores, not omnivores and not carnivores. So why would they use fish oil as their main source of omega-3? Well, we give horses a lot of different things that are not a part of their normal diet. Like corn oil is certainly not something they normally eat. Glucosamine from shrimp cells shells is not something they use. And 
uh, flaxseed, Lasix, even antibiotics, which are necessary sometimes, is not part of their normal diet. So, but depending on the type of grass, fresh grass does contain uh, small amounts of omega-3s, and normally that'll meet the horse's omega-3 needs. However, in performance horses or brood mares, or when there's a medical need to gain weight or manage inflammation conditions like arthritis or, or ulcers or whatever, you by feeding a, a high-quality fish oil, you can provide good energy and without needing to drastically increase the, the feed volume. So it's just going to be much more effective in terms of uh, putting a damper on the inflammation and giving good quality energy to the horse. So Dr. Chalmers, I have one more question for you then. Um, and it seems pretty obvious because you think of rotten fish and you definitely don't want that. But why is it so important to get fresh fish oil? Well, when okay, oil can I just gets say that rotten or that old fish oil just sounds bad. <laughs> that just sounds know. bad to but begin it needs with. To be fresh. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it it is bad, and you know it it gets rancid, and when it gets rancid, very easily, and that's the problem. It when it breaks down to tox, it breaks down to toxic byproducts. So not only does it smell bad, but it's bad for you, and. This is what's some of the problem with using a capsule, by the way, because you really need to open up your capsule taste and smell, which you're putting in your body. But uh, besides that, the, the cell membrane, when you get a rancid oil, it gets, the structure of the cell membrane gets messed up. So we're seeing that it's vitally important to get fresh fish oil. It's going to be working much better at fighting inflammation in the skin, the airways, the hoofs, and the joints. Um, so it's really key. You need to get fresh fish oil, a full dose, and you'll have a better range of all the important fatty acids. So it's a little bit, by using the WellPride uh, omega-3 fish oil, it's a little bit like exercise. When you, when you do it consistently every day at the right dose, you're going to see results. So I would suggest go on our website, www.wellpride.com, and read the stories from our customers. They're really quite uh, remarkable. Well, and that would be great for all of us to be able to go and do that, just for the pure education of it. But I have a question for you then. How does WellPride come? It doesn't come capsulated, I'm assuming. So how does it come to feed to the horses? Well, we have a very special bottle that is made for making sure that there's not air that's getting into the bottle. Uh, there. You know, a lot of people put a big pump inside that actually is pumping. Uh, the problem with that is it pumps the uh, oxygen right into the oil and, and spoils it. So we have a carefully designed bottle that allows you to measure out the right amount of dose, uh, one to two ounces, and pour that directly out. So it comes in a 30-ounce bottle that uh, is enough for one horse for one month. That's perfect, then, how you do that, and it comes ready to go for people. So can you give us um, the website one more time so everyone knows where to go? Yeah, it's wellpride, W-E-L-L-P-R-I-D-E dot com. Or you can also call us at 866-414-0188.
Dr. Chalmers, thank you so much for being on today. I think this is a topic that people don't know a whole lot about, and they it's um, fascinating to me. I know from my perspective, omega-3s have really helped me with some inflammation and some other things. So I love that it's also now useful for our horses. Um, you know, we have a lot in our industry, lesson horses, and this older horse really needs um, some stuff too to keep them going well into their 20s so we can keep teaching on them. And I know quite a few of... Uh, our instructors that use this product. And I think that it's wonderful for performance horses, race horses, and also just your horse out there that just needs that extra little bit because they're working so hard. And lesson horses truly do work quite hard, even if they're only doing walk, trot, and a little bit of canter. They still work quite a bit. So thank you so much for being on today. We really appreciate it. Well, good talking with you, both Glenn and Christy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Chalmers. Well, we, uh, you know, I've heard, this has been a consistent theme that we have had through the years about the fish oils, and it's definitely something that I have to look into for me, too. Um, I know you do, you take it, right? Yes, and it really yeah. does help me. Yeah, I have to take a look at that. Yeah, I enjoy it a lot. Because so. I'm not as young. Yeah, I'm check it out. Kind of creaky, so that's something i got to take a look at. <laughs> Well, we're going to switch gears all together, and we're going to go to a very colorful hour of the program. That was your cue. That is, because we're with the American Paint Horse Association. I got my cue. Thanks, Glenn. (laughs) I got it. So next on is... Dr. Craig Wood. He is the current president for APHA. He was originally elected to their executive committee in 2012. He's a professor at the, he was a professor at the University of Kentucky and has more than 40 years of experience in the horse industry, including being an APHA national director since 2006. He's also served on many of their different um, con, their clubs and their committees. And of course, he's an advisory panel to the executive committee as well before becoming president. So, Dr. Wood, how are you today? Uh, I'm great, Christy. Doing well. It's a beautiful morning here in Kentucky, and uh, everything's great. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I haven't told Glenn and Jen yet that I've known you, oh gosh, a while now. A long time. Should we share our story? I think we should share our story. Do you want to share it, or do you want me to share it? Yeah, I'll I'll start and then you fill in the gap. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. All right. I I first met Christy uh, at a uh, judging contest when she was with the Arabian Horse Association, and uh, we were there helping tabulate the contest and run the contest. And and I remember the first time I met her, uh, this young lady comes uh, bopping in the room, has a tremendous amount of energy, uh, and her eyes are dancing all over the place. And then she begins to talk. And you have to understand my perspective from this is that, you know, I was born and raised in the South. Uh, and in the South, people talk a little slow at times. And uh, Christy started to talk with a huge amount of enthusiasm and energy and I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, she can talk faster than I can hear. <laughs> and uh, she began to she began to uh, share what she wanted to do and all that. And uh, I figured out quickly that she could have been a musician as well, because, you know, they talk about musicians that blow horns and, and uh, woodwinds, read instruments, that they have this circular breathing where they don't have to stop playing to breathe. <laughs> 
and Christy was like that when she was talking. She didn't. She never had to stop to take a breath. She just did circular breathing while she was talking. Uh, but we had a great experience meeting her for the first time. That's what I remember thinking. And I think I asked her something about you know where she was from. So Christy, what was your? Oh, like, I, I'm, wait a minute. I'm trying to figure out whether that was a compliment or not. I'm I'm still working on that one. <laughs> oh, I am sitting over here laughing. I think it's fabulous. So then Craig comes up to me and he goes. In his really nice, slow, southern Kentucky accent, he says to me, girl, I think you're from one of the two coasts. And I said, why do you think that? I live in Denver now. But originally, he says, because you talk so fast. (laughs) And I said, oh, well, I do kind of talk fast. I could try to slow down. And then he says, but I think it must be the West Coast. And I said, why do you think that? He goes, because you're pretty nice. I said, okay. (laughs) Oh, sorry for our East Coast friends. We love you too. It's called stereotypes. (laughs) For a reason. Yes, exactly right. Oh, we cracked up. So, Craig, it's so good to have you on the show. It's it's fun to talk about some of those things in the past. You know, it's talk, talking about networking earlier. We were on the show. Well, there you go. There's some networking that comes back to bite you in the butt, depending on what happens. So it's good. So, Craig, how did this journey of you becoming APHA president happen? I would love to hear the journey. Well, uh, I... Uh you know, was I've been involved with horses for a long time, uh, even as a as a young kid. And uh, I got I moved to Kentucky and uh, got involved with a uh, fox hunting group, uh, and we started doing some fox hunting. And uh, I had a big uh, thoroughbred mare uh, that we had raced for a while, and she was uh, what we would call a roan. The jockey club called her uh, a uh, chestnut with numerous white body hairs. And, um, so, uh, I got to look That's around. That's a jockey on, club on for you. To, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, to, how I might want to breed this mare if she came off the racetrack. Uh, and I found a, a big paint uh, stud horse that was a really nice mover and all up in, in Indiana by the name of Ollie Norfleet. So, uh, I wanted to, to get a, a loud colored horse that, uh, we could fox hunt. Uh, because, you know, they would look good out there on the hillside and, and uh, wearing the, the dress of formal attire of a hunt, uh, we would, uh, I thought the horse would look good. So that's how I got started in paint horses and uh, started um, breeding them and raising them and, and uh, showing them and competing and actually use one of my show horses. Uh, we started him actually as a fox hunter. Uh, and he was, you know, he moved so well and did everything so good. We moved him to the show ring. The only issue was that, you know, it's when you fox hunt and you start to run on a fox, they want to, uh, you know, go with the rest of the horses because they don't want to be left behind. So it was a little bit of a challenge when we first got him into the show ring and horses would be cantering past him. Uh, he would want to go with them uh, <laughs> and stay right next to him. And <laughs> so it was interesting the first couple of times in the show ring with him, but he finally settled in and, and, and uh, we made a really nice kind of show horse. And uh, I still own him to this day. He's about 25 right now. Uh, and he just lives a, a life of leisure out in the pasture. So that's how I got started in the paint horses. And I got involved in the Kentucky Paint Horse Club. Uh, and uh, our national director uh, was retiring. And uh, so I was uh, put up to uh, be voted in as the national director from Kentucky. Uh, and that's how I came in. 
And then uh, after the first couple of conventions that I went to uh, uh, and providing some suggestions on communication and technology and all that to uh, then the executive committee and the leadership of APHA, I was asked to serve on an advisory panel uh, to review the association. Uh, me and four other members or four of the directors were asked to do that. Uh, and that's really how I got started in, in wanting to uh, be involved in a higher level in the association to provide some leadership to the association and, and direction. So my experience on the advisory panel is what really led me to, to want to step up and, and be a member of the executive committee and ultimately uh, become president and provide whatever leadership I could in, in helping the association move forward and grow. Well, I know, Craig, we're so excited here at CHA to be partners with APHA. We just think that that's wonderful. So many of our instructors use paints for their uh, lesson mounts, so we're just thrilled. So what are some of the things that you enjoy the most in regards to your current title? Because, of course, for those listening, president equals no pay. Um, and what are the challenges that come with that title? I know it's a lot of work sometimes. Right. And, you know, I think the you know, one of the most enjoyable things is, is listening to the members and talking to them. Uh, you know, they have a lot of good ideas uh, and uh, they're never bashful or shy in sharing those with uh, with you. And, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, you just need to listen to them and, and really hear what they're saying. Uh, sometimes, you know, what they're uh, they say is not really uh, what they mean. They got some other things there. So, if you start questioning them and having a really good discussion with them, you come up with some uh, some really good ideas and some ways to some implement some things in visiting uh, with the membership. I think a lot of times the members uh, don't feel like they can uh, really talk to executive committee members uh, as easily as they would like to. And, and you know, I try to just, uh, you know, let make them feel comfortable that they can share anything they want to with us. Uh, and, and, and we take it to heart and listen to what they're doing. So, you know, that's one of the, the greatest joys is that is, is just listening to them and, uh, interacting with them in different ways, going to the shows and being there with them and, uh, experiencing and letting them know, you know, we have the same kind of pain points, uh, you know, uh, as the membership does and all and help them better understand, you know, how, the leadership roles actually work because there's some myths out there that people have about uh, the president and the executive committee. Uh, and, you know, we try to, to alleviate some of those myths as we go forward. Uh, you know, the challenges uh, of, of, the, of the position as president is, uh, is having to, uh, to talk to people about things when they're having issues or when, uh, we have to, uh, you know, pass some rulings down that, you know, is not um, very favorable to some of them. You know, one of the things we have to do as an executive committee and I have to do as president is we have to abide by the, the rules and the bylaws that we have in the association. Uh, and sometimes, you know, there's uh, circumstances where, you know, if you could, you'd like to help them, but the rules kind of say that you can't do that. So, you know, there's really those tough conversations that you have to have with folks, uh, and they tend to get, uh, you know, rightfully so, a little bit upset about things, you know, and, and when they're in that state of mind, it's hard for them to understand the, the, the viewpoint you're coming from. So we try to do, I try to do that as tactfully as possible and listen to them and, and, and uh, 
you know, help them understand the standpoint we're coming from, but at the same time, also empathize with them and let them know, hey, I understand as well, but, you know, this is the situation uh, that we're in right now. So those, you know, those are tough conversations to have, and that's the most challenging part of being president. And then on the flip side is, you know, one of the most beneficial things is working with the great staff we have at, uh, at the international office, at the association office there in Fort Worth. We have some really talented staff that have a lot of energy uh, and uh, they get a lot of things done and they really interact well with the membership and provide them a great service. Well, Craig, I'll tell you, this is a great segue because you've been involved in the industry, um, not only with paint horses, but with a variety of horses, with everything you did at the UK, too. So how do you see the horse industry having changed over the years? What do you see happening in the future? And when you're thinking about this, I would love for you guys, for you to talk about what you guys are doing in regards to APHA and your move, because I think that's really exciting what you're planning here coming up soon. Okay. Uh, Yeah. You know, in the past, uh, the horse industry, I think, had a lot more, uh, there was more ownership of horses. Individuals owned a greater number of horses than they do now. There was a lot more participation. I think particularly in, in youth. I know when I first came to Kentucky and was working with the 4-H youth program, you know, we had over 6,000 youth involved in that program. And that has really fallen off. And I think you see that in, in across the country in terms of participation. Uh, and, and numbers. And I think that's partly uh, because of the way society has gone. You know, we've had more people move to the cities and the suburbs. Uh, and, you know, that takes them out of that rural setting and they don't have the ability to own as many horses or own horses at all. Uh, and I think, you know, we're seeing some now uh, that people are moving back to the country and buying five, 10 acre lots. But the thing they're doing is they're not uh, putting livestock on those. They're just moving out there and, and enjoying the countryside and all that, but not really owning horses and doing those kinds of things. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, presently we're seeing a lot of activity in specialty events. Uh, you know, those being like the ranch classes, the ranch sorting, roping and reining, the cowboy mounted shooting, barrel racing, and trail riding. I think you're seeing a lot of activity in those areas. And I think that's an area that, you know, breed associations can focus on and try to partner with some of these specialty organizations to help move uh, the industry forward uh, in that regard. Uh, And and so I think, you know, it's kind of like a lot of things we've seen in society. There's a lot of specializations in the different professions. So we've seen that in the horse industry as well. And uh, I think uh, there's some great potential there. Uh, And I think in the future moving forward, uh, you know, particularly with APHA, we're trying to uh, partner with a lot of those specialty organizations. And a good example is our particip- our partnership with CHA, Christy, uh, and working in that area. Uh, so I think breed associations traditionally have, uh, you know, been there to perpetuate the breed and to move the breed forward. And uh, I think that's still a component of breed associations, but I think they need to expand their mission and uh, to to be a little broader in what they're trying to do and the partnership with some of these uh, other organizations because the ownership model, uh, I think, is something uh, that we need to take a hard look at in the future uh, and maybe switch to more of a participation model 
while at the same time uh, making sure that we pro- uh, maintain, uh, you know, the different breeds as they go forward and that. But I think participation is hugely important as we go forward. And maybe the participation is not tied to ownership. Uh, and I think there's, you know, there's some challenges with that, but I think there's also a lot of benefit that you can look at uh, to do that, uh, to increase that participation using a participation model. We recently at APHA went through and uh, worked on our mission statement. And our mission statement now is to inspire, nurture, promote, and provide meaningful experiences to generations interested in preserving the versatile paint horse. And if you take that apart, that's more about participation than it is ownership. There's still an ownership component there. There's still that mission in there to preserve and perpetuate the breed. Uh, but there's also that uh, a huge component of participation to get people involved. And I think uh, going forward, you know, you asked the question about uh, the future and all. I think uh, that, you know, as a horse industry as a whole, we all need to work together because we're all better together than we are separate. So the more things we do to make the greater industry better and make it thrive, then everybody's going to benefit. All the breed associations, all the specialty groups and all that. And we need to really think about how the horse industry is globally. Uh, and I think that's hugely important as we move forward uh, in the future. I think there's markets in other countries that are available to us to do a lot of different things as a horse industry. Uh, so if the whole industry benefits, then then uh, we are going to benefit as well. Craig, I as love the concept. Yeah, I just want to interrupt just for one Go second ahead. before you talk about your move. That participation model is something that I think more, it's just so needed. Um, You know, we have within our group, a lot of our folks uh, own lesson horses and they teach the beginner to ride and that's what we do. And then, um, then sometimes those people that are our students stay on to buy a horse, but most of the time what they end up doing is leasing horses. So a lot of our instructors will have these horses that maybe are not their go-to lesson horses, maybe are have a little bit more of a specialty niche to them, or maybe they're a little bit hotter or whatever the case may be. So that when that child or young adult gets to the point where they want to lease, then they have these horses that they can do participation with, like you're saying, but they might not own. And, and that's okay. That's actually, I think, something that we all need to embrace and understand that that's really okay. You can um, co-op a horse. It's like a timeshare. You're, you're going to use the horse Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm going to use the horse Wednesday and Friday, Saturday and Sunday. We're going to alternate every other weekend. You know, there's lots of models there. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, yeah and I, I agree with everything you said, Chrissy. I think we need to provide them an easy way uh, to be onboarded on to participating with horses and learning about horses and then to continue that as they go forward. So yeah, I agree with you. So now getting back to it, though, you guys have a great, exciting adventure with your move. Um, is it time to share that with everybody? Uh, you bet. Yeah, we uh, we are going to be moving our international office down to the historic stockyards in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, that's, a, that's a tremendous advantage to us. Uh, we're going to go to one of the historic uh, horse and mule barns. They're renovating that for us. We'll have a a very open concept type of office down there. There's going to be an educational center, uh, and our Hall of Fame will uh, be located there, 
as well as all of our staff that uh, does the day-to-day business uh, of the association. Okay, the first the thing that came to mind move, The first yeah. thing that came to mind was are they going to clean the stalls before you move in? But you've just answered that. So that was the first <laughs> thing that came to mind. Having moved into old buildings yeah. before, uh, so that's good. Yeah, they're going to uh, hopefully clean all that out, but you know what? You know we are uh about horses so you know a little bit of that kind of odor might uh, add some authenticity uh, <laughs> to what's going on down there so. it might and i'm sure they'd leave it in if you if you wanted them to <laughs> yeah exactly right so that's 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 good you know and they'll still have the uh the longhorn cattle drive uh so you know there'll still be some of that aroma there in the air to to add to it uh, well that's they, exciting so the, you guys visit you guys are at the kentucky horse park now right are you are you at the horse? Oh park? no, our office is in Fort Worth. Oh, Fort no, Worth. Our office okay. is in Fort Worth. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we're just moving a, a, across town a little bit uh, from where we're located now. But what it does is it exposes the pain horse to uh, over three million uh, visitors to the stockyard yards on an annual basis. Uh, so we will move our legacy of color bronzes down there. It's kind of a focal point. These bronzes are uh, kind of greater than life kind of bronzes. They're life size plus a quarter. So uh, they stand about 20 hands at the withers, about seven foot. Uh, and the whole bronze is about 36 feet long. So that's kind of be a, a focal point close to our office to draw people down what's called Mule Alley. Uh, and uh, the visitors will be able to get their picture taken with those bronze and and we have a lot of educational, interactive kinds of things planned for the uh, the office so that when we have visitors come in, uh, they can not only learn about the paint horse, but they can learn about horses and they can learn about uh, the Western heritage. So we're kind of, we want to promote that Western lifestyle uh, that uh, has been historically part of Fort Worth and the stockyards uh, and just celebrate the horse. Uh, and the way it helped uh, settle the West uh, using the stockyards as that venue. So we're really excited about it. We think it gives a huge potential and exposure, uh, not only for pain horses, but for the horse industry in general. If we can just get some of those people turned on about horses, you know, they may not want to get involved with pain horses, but if they get involved with the horse, uh, then we're all going to benefit. I am so excited about you guys and that move. I think it's going to be amazing because like you said, it's going to be this, the mass public being able to go through. And I think a lot of times when we have um, horse association offices, we don't really have a whole lot of outsiders come in. You know, maybe if we have a museum attached, people might go through that or whatever the case may be, but you're actually going to the place where the public already is not trying to get the public to come to you. It's a good concept. Right, exactly. And that's why we're so excited about it. So, Craig, just um, going ahead and uh, wrapping up here a little bit, um, you know, Glenn loves fun examples of things that have happened. And that's why I thought he'd be very entertained on how we met. So is there anything in particular that you want to kind of bring up? It could be something that's happening with a current program at APHA, show or recreational. It could be something personally that maybe happened to you that you're entertained by. It could be something where you need to protect the name of the innocent. Anything that you would like to share with us? Uh, sure, Christy. I, I, I do have something I'll share with you. You know, I've had a lot of great experiences uh, from being 
you know, a member of a fox hunting club, and I have some wild stories I can tell you about that from roping and, and riding a five-gated saddle horse to a big lick walking horse and, and exercising racehorses and all and, and, and then being president of APHA. But, you know, one experience kind of stands out to me uh, because I've always liked the movie Hildago. I don't know if you remember that movie. Love uh, that movie. But it was a movie... Oh, I loved it too. I loved it uh, because of the horses that were in it and all, and and I thought it was great. Well, I was invited several years ago to speak uh, on horse management, various horse management topics at the Vermont Everything Equine. It's the largest equine event uh, that takes place in Vermont. And uh, at this particular year that I went, uh, they had one of the horses there that were was in the movie Hidalgo that played the, the the Hidalgo horse. And they had two of them. They had two horse, two paint horses that kind of doubled up uh, on the duties uh, during that movie. And uh, one of them happened to retire after the movie and lived on a farm uh, in Vermont. And his name, uh, they called him Oscar. That was his name, uh, uh, his movie name uh, uh, when he was in the movie Hidalgo. Uh, and, uh, if you remember in the movie, uh, there's a scene where the paint horse Hildago was running down through the village and people are shooting down from, a, uh, on top, uh, shooting through the, uh, the, the village streets. And it's also one where he, uh, fell into the pit there in the desert. And this was this particular har- uh, horse that played that role. Well, in talking with the lady uh, and, and meeting the horse, which the horse just had a ton of personality. I mean, he looked for every camera uh, that you could find have around the place. And just a really quiet, uh, well-dispositioned horse that, that never spooked uh, at anything. You know, he was one of those horses that was bomb-proof. Uh, and the owner said, you know, he never spooked at anything. He was great. He could do anything on the movie set until they went to the Middle East. When they went to the Middle East to film that part of the movie, uh, there was one thing that he never quite got over and never quite liked, and that was a camel. Uh, the horse just never settled in and, <laughs> and, and got to where, where she didn't know if it was the smell or what, but said never really liked it. And the horse had never spooked at anything and never really been upset with anything except for that. Uh, so he, he tolerated the camel, she said, by the time that they were over there in the Middle East. But anyway, <laughs> the fun part of it that I'm getting to, Glenn, uh, is that I got to ride the horse oh, uh, wow. there at the Vermont Equine Deal. I got to ride him around in the arena uh, and do some things with him, a really neat kind of horse. Uh, and then I had my picture taken with him because I knew when I got back to Kentucky and I got to telling everybody, all my horse buddies and everything in Kentucky, that I actually got to ride one of the horses that played Hildago in the movie, they wouldn't believe me. So I had to bring some evidence back and some proof <laughs> that I actually been on the horse and ridden the horse uh, that was in that movie. So that was a lot of fun. That was a highlight just because I liked that movie so much. And he was a paint horse. So that made it even better. Were they shooting at you from the stands? Did that add to the excitement? <laughs> Uh, no, no, oh, they okay. weren't, but they were, you know, they were hooping and hollering and all, but yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. That is right. really cool. I, I've heard that, you know, we're following, we're doing reports on the Mongol Derby going on right now, and I've heard the, the Hildago movie mentioned about a thousand times in the last week. Every time the Mongol Derby comes around, oh, people yeah. think of Hildago because of just because of the craziness. <laughs> That's why. 
But right, yeah, that's so cool. And you guys must have that must have been done a world for the paint horse uh, people having uh, that horse in Hildago being a paint horse or two or three. Right. Yeah. 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 It was great. Yeah. <laughs> Very well, good. Well, thanks. what's the website? Uh, the website is apha.com. APHA.com. That's right. APHA.com. You'll find all the information there. And by the way, uh, you guys still, I I go to the AHP meetings uh, every year, and you guys are always winning awards for the Chrome magazine that you you put out. And I got to tell you, it's it's still the most beautiful magazine in the horse world. There's no question about that. Uh, it's, yeah, we're extremely proud of it. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the most beautiful one in the horse world. So thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. Bye, Craig. Uh, all right. Thank you all for having me on. Absolutely. Talk soon. Well, you know, Jennifer and I are doing a... We're heading to Fort Worth a month from now, actually. We'll be there. We'll be arriving uh, in about 30 days. And what are you going to be doing down there? Well, we're doing an RV tour of Texas. So oh, that's cool. We, we are going to visit hosts and listeners in Texas, and we're going to start in Dallas. We're going to fly into Dallas, rent the RV. And the first thing we're doing is heading over to the Extreme Mustang Makeover in Fort Worth that Mary Kitzmiller's riding in. And we're going to spend a couple days there. And Jennifer's never been to Texas at all and never been to Fort Worth, so we're going to spend a few days in Fort Worth uh, checking it out. So when he was talking about it, I was getting all excited. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, we're going to be there. She's yeah, never seen- and it is a great place. That fairgrounds, you're going to love it, Jen. It's huge. There's so there's a lot to do in Fort Worth too. It's, well, and we and have course- to do the train ride because every place we oh, go, yes. there's a train ride. Jen, we it's required. Jennifer's comes from a train family, so we do every train ride that we can find. Good. Yeah. So we'll be doing that, and then we'll be heading down to Austin. I was just uh, I just heard from uh, Robin, who will be visiting down in Austin. She's a carriage driver, and then we're heading over to see some people who have exotic animals. Speaking of camels who have exotic zebras and camels and stuff like that that have been on the show a number of times. We're going to do that. So we have a full week in the RV planned. I love it. As well as eating every steak and barbecue brisket I can find in the state of Texas. Well, yes, you have to do that because they have better barbecue than you do in Florida. Just saying. Yes, and better steak, too. So we're we're really looking forward to that part. But, yeah, so that's going to be fun. I, You know, I only got to go to Fort Worth for a a podcasting conference, so I was in the building the whole time. I had a half a day free, so I really haven't seen Fort Worth at all either. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. And I know there's a ton of shopping. Uh, I did see the the million stores. There is the shopping. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, good. Well, we're going to continue talking about paint horses and head to our next guest. Great. So Christine Henry Gillette of Fort Worth, Texas, is American Paint Horse Association's Director of Youth and Amateur Activities and Awards. She also happens to be a certified instructor with us in both English and Western and on our board of directors for CHA. As a volunteer, she has managed and worked at horse shows and events in the South, um, connected to the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, Interscholastic, Equestrian Association, and the NRHA. Gillette is a graduate of Middle Tennessee State University with a degree in horse science. And the most exciting thing of her entire bio, I think, is she's a newlywed. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to be on. How are you? <laughs> when did you get today? married? When did when was a big day? <laughs> well, um, I am uh, just about two weeks into my uh, my marriage. We got married on July thirtieth, where I grew up in Atlanta. 
um, actually on a uh, cattle farm. So that was kind of fun, not far from where I learned to ride. And it was a wonderful day. <laughs> I bet. So let me get this straight. You live yes. in Fort Worth. Do you live in Fort Worth? Yes, I live in Fort Worth. Um, I actually grew up in uh, Metro Atlanta and uh, then went to school in Tennessee. So you draw your line across the map and yeah. then moved to Texas. Yeah, um, well, you went from <laughs> accent to accent to accent. Um, and, and you know, so, that's what you got to do. <laughs> so we got a girl who lives in Fort Worth to went back to Georgia to get married on a cattle farm. There's a lot of irony in that. What else are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> So I, before we get to anything else, because there's important things here to discuss, and that's we're going to be there. My wife and I are going on vacation. We're doing an RV tour of Texas. I was just talking about it. We're going to be in Fort Worth. So where's the best steak and barbecue? Oh, man. Okay. Well, you know, as okay. far as steak goes, are you guys, you said you're flying into Dallas. You're correct? flying into Dallas, and then we're RVing over to Fort Worth. Okay. Well, if you're in Dallas, the best steak in Dallas, in my opinion, is Bob's Steakhouse off Lemon. And that is like, you know, special, special, super, you know, awesome restaurant. But in Fort Worth, I would say you'd have to go to Riata, um, which is just an experience in itself. They have this awesome rooftop um, bar and, oh, it's, it's way fun. So that's definitely got uh, more of a Fort Worth flair. Um, as far as barbecue, I don't know. I'm totally partial to, uh, it's called Hard Eight, and it's about 15 minutes north of Fort Worth, and it is amazing. I mean, they pull the meat right out of the smoker right in front of you, and you weigh it by the pound. So if you're real hungry, you can definitely uh, definitely get as much as you want to eat or uh, or try a lot of different things, which is uh, my now husband and I's favorite thing to do. <laughs> All right, Bob's Steakhouse in Dallas, Riata in Fort Worth, and Hard Eight Barbecue north of Fort Worth. It's technically, I think, in Roanoke. Yeah, okay, it's good. it's amazing. Right, well, I wrote it all down, so I'm I'm trusting you. I'm Perfect. <laughs> taking your word you for it. <laughs> <laughs> you will have no shortage of places to eat and things to see and do in in Dallas Fort Worth for sure. Well, that's why and we rented an RV uh, because we figured we'd be big as an RV by the time we're done in ten days of eating steak and barbecue <laughs> off of um, through da- to Texas. So. You bet. Well, if you get stuck in Dallas traffic, you have a place to sleep too. Well, so that's, that's it. Yeah, see, there's, there's that too. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just had to. Uh... No, I think that's great. All these multiple talents of Christine. She's also a travel agent and can tell everyone where to go. (laughs) Speaking of that, before we dive into the meat and the education portion, I want to know where exactly you went on your honeymoon and what exactly you saw. uh, Well, it was way fun. Um, So uh, we drove from uh, Atlanta to Crystal River, Florida, um, and we checked off a major bucket list item for me. I got to swim with manatees. I, I'm trying to hold in all the squeals as I kind of remember how, how awesome it was. But uh, we got to swim not only with adult manatees, but our tour guide also found us a baby manatee. And yes, they're as cute as you can think that they are. <laughs> they, it was absolutely a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, we road tripped all through Florida. So from Crystal River, we drove down to Miami. And uh, we did an afternoon in Miami Beach, of course, um, did some Cuban food, which is amazing. And little known fact about me, I'm a huge baseball fan. And John, my husband, and I have made a goal of visiting all 30 Major League Baseball parks. And so we checked off two on our honeymoon. We went to uh, the Miami Marlins Stadium, obviously Miami. And then we also, after leaving Miami, went to Tampa to go to the Rays 
Stadium to Tropicana Field. So that was lots of fun. We had amazing seats. And, uh, you know, we, we did the baseball thing and we got to see one win and one lose. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's how those, those normally work out. We had wonderful food, lots of seafood. Um, we did an airboat tour down when we drove from Miami through to Tampa, kind of stopped off in the Everglades and got to see like a 12 foot, um, alligator, which was, uh, something else <laughs> a little different than the uh, very peaceful sea cows we saw just a couple of days before and then to you know make our round trip back to texas we stopped in new orleans and had some uh, had some time with my sister who lives there and i uh, continued on so it was a busy trip lots of driving but it was a blast oh my gosh it was wonderful well, I am so excited for you. I think that everything is great <laughs> about it. And, of course, we're all going to want pictures at the 50th anniversary party in two months of you with the manatees. So you might have to whip those out at the board meeting. Oh, don't you worry. I'll bring them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So we are so excited at Certified Horsemanship to be partnering with APHA. And I know you are as well. What, what do you think is going to be a good thing about this relationship? What are some things you're excited about? You know, CHA stands for um, creating opportunities for kids to be able to connect with horses through, you know, safe, fun um, experiences. And so we definitely at APHA believe in that. But I personally, you know, it boils down to what your horse experience was growing up. And bottom line, I was a lesson kid. Um, I was that kid that my trainer had to make me go home. You know, I was the one that was begging to wash the horse trailer, scrub the water tanks. Whatever somebody didn't want to do, I wanted to do it because that made me near horses. And CHA perpetuates that, you know, by creating instructors who are teaching those up-downers, who are, are, are continuing the, the horse obsession, um, where there are, there are a plethora of horse trainers. But I definitely, and as I continue through this industry, see that, that a horse trainer and a horse riding instructor are two very different animals. Um, and, and some people have enough talent to be both. But a lot of times, you know, it takes a lot of patience to be able to teach a horse. It takes a different kind of patience to teach a person because um, that horse can't talk back to you, <laughs> at least not in the same way a person can. And so I just love seeing a, a, a certifying body that, that is adding legitimacy to our riding instructors, um, you know, and it doesn't matter what they're teaching, whether it's raining or cow horse or all around or over fence work, it, it's it's equipping them with the professional skills and allowing them to rub elbows with some people that they wouldn't have met prior to going to their certification clinic. Um, and as, as I've become more involved with CHA, I've learned more about their EFM, their um, facilities management uh, certifications and other things that maybe you're not necessarily a training barn, but you would have, you know, be able to fit into these other CHA certifications that will help you in the long run, discounts on insurance, things like that. Because, um, you know, when you came and spoke to our pro horseman committee, was that two years ago, I think, at our convention? I believe so, yes. Um, you know, our, our pro horseman program, it's um, horse industry professionals, um, whether that's trainers, riding instructors, breeders, judges, whatever hat you wear, if you will, um, they commit to a code of ethics. Um, that outlines their standard for horse care, how they sell and buy horses, their actions in the show arena. So holding them to a higher standard. Um, and uh, I think that being able to promote CHA within this group that's already, you know, already committed to a higher, you know, 
standard is is perfect. And I know that we do already have some um, several CHA certified APHA pro horsemen, and we definitely want that number to grow as we continue to uh, to promote. Um, you know, we have several continuing education, which is what CHA is also all about, is continuing to educate our instructors. You, you never stop learning. And that's something, as a lifetime learner myself, you know, I think is just so valuable that CHA offers through the International Conference, which is one of my favorite events to go to every year, just because you get to connect with people and learn things that, you you know, you didn't even know you needed to learn. <laughs> and uh, it, it just, it creates such a great opportunity for people to, to network. Um, I joke with folks all the time, you know, this, this horse world is really smaller than you think, but uh, it, it's about the size of your pinky nail. And, uh, you know, so to be able to make connections and then further root those connections through CHA is excellent. Um, the other thing that makes me really excited is, you know, it promotes riding lessons. And like um, Craig and y'all were talking about earlier, the, the horse ownership model is is uh, is changing. And we, about two years ago, um, rolled out a show lease program where previously we did not um, authorize leasing for uh, APHA, com- uh, APHA competition. And so we are now trying to find ways to plug in kids who don't necessarily um, own horses, which, you know, uh, if you, if you're trying to decide between soccer team or horseback riding lessons, the thing that eats and costs a lot of money and needs shoes and sometimes gets sick, it seems a little scarier than, you know, the, the cleats and shin guards and a soccer ball, <laughs> you know? And so trying to, 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 to kind of take those, those bite-sized um, opportunities. The riding lessons to me is like the proverbial dipping your toe into the water for many people. And so um, we're, we're definitely excited to partner with CHA to help widen that network of available lesson givers to be able to, when people call me at the APHA office and say, Hey, my kiddo is, is horse crazy. Where do we go? You know, now I have a, have a place I can send them to the CHA online riding instructor directory, which is an awesome resource to be able to send them to, you know, and, and they tell us where they're located. And, you know, so we can, we can help, put those kids in riding lessons. So not only so they can have that touch time with horses, but so that they can learn, you know, in a safe environment, which if anybody knows me, I'm a safety nut. <laughs> Just That's one of my favorite things about CHA is knowing that if you've been through their certification clinic, you are under a keen eye of, is this safe? Check that girth, go around, check your equipment. Where's the instructor standing? Where's the kiddo standing? You know, and so that's, that's a wonderful thing, especially from my experience in both auditing and then eventually getting certified and seeing that in those different clinics and that emphasis being put um, because, you know, horses are big and, and, and you definitely need to, uh, to be safe as you, um, you know, maneuver around them. Uh, well, and Christine, but, um, I'm so glad excited. that you're in charge mm-hmm. of the youth programs there. I think that that's amazing. And so with APHA, what do you see with the past, the present, and the future when it comes to the horse industry as a whole, especially in regards to the kids? Well, you know, again, I feel like I I say this all the time, but we have to create opportunities for these kids who are not directly related, um, who don't have direct ties to agrarian lifestyle. Um, You know, the, the city kids, if you will, which I was one of them, so I can relate. Um, you know, opportunities for kids who don't own horses, whose parents didn't own horses, where horses are, are a foreign concept and they don't just grow up and know how to tackle up and off you go. Um, and so 
we at APHA definitely have some really great opportunities, um, you know, from our judging contests. And um, we have several other art contests to bring in those kiddos who might not have a horse in their backyard, but they sure know how to draw one, you know, um, or take pictures. And so trying to promote that, um, you know, also promoting that, those, those first-time opportunities. Um, you know, we have to applaud IEA and IHSA for their um, unique models uh, of being able to allow kids to not only to have horse experience, but to be able to go and compete on a horse that they don't own and they don't have to own in order to horse show. And so definitely taking a look at those models and seeing, um, you know, in our lease program again, so these create bottom line, creating opportunities for kids who don't own horses. Um, Another thing that I'm really excited about both here in the present um, and the future for our youth is our international opportunities. It's a huge market um, and and it's growing Europe specifically. Um, Last September, I was was privileged enough to go and uh, manage the AJPHA Youth World Games. It was a just a couple numbers for you, 16 countries, 14 teams, 60 participants, and about 65 borrowed horses. Um, and I speak English and a little bit of Spanish, so it was really, really challenging to be able to borrow these horses. We did have to beg, borrow, and steal a little bit, but the European paint members are and our, uh, our national directors over there were so generous to take such great care of us and to showcase their wonderful horses they have over there. Um, I'll tell you, a lot of them can come over here and, and kick some booty for sure. Now, are, are <laughs> so, paints becoming more popular in Europe? Actually, the largest APHA show was one held in Europe last year, was oh, the wow. uh, European Championship show. Yeah, so they're growing, and I believe that's across the board. If you look at the Rainers, the Quarter Horses, et cetera, it's definitely a growing market. And so, you know, they're, they're looking for a little bit different of a horse than what we might have over here. But um, if, if you look at just how they integrate their horse into their family, it, it becomes a family member. It's something, you know, they don't graduate from a 13 under horse up to a 14 to 18 horse. You know, that horse is theirs through their entire riding career and probably through that horse's entire life. And they do everything. They do the showmanship. They go do the cow horse and everything in between. So it's really unique to see their connection with their horses. Um, and I got to see that firsthand when I was in Europe last year. Um, we coordinated several clinics with some educational opportunities with our director of uh, judges, Dave Dellen, and then also, of course, had our competition. And it was just too cool to see these kids from all over the world connect. Very cool. And be yeah. able to it was, it was, it was the best, um, you know, and as far as, as far as present, you know, I kind of wanted to share, you know, we, we, I don't want to hit on horse shows too often, but, you know, we have a really unique opportunity to see kind of the culmination point of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears for a lot of our kids at the youth world show in the summer. And my, my favorite moment and the moment that really, you know, is a recharge, if you will, um, you know, if you're at a horse show, you're running around like a crazy person. <laughs> and um, There's rarely a moment to stop and breathe. But if I'm running through our main arena and I hear them start to do that, that camp, that countdown, when our announcer gets kind of dramatic and starts, you know, you can just you can just cut that tension with a knife because you see all those kids lined up with their tails to the rail, just, you know, holding their breath or crossing their fingers. And when they get down to that world champion, I get goosebumps all over because I can relate to how much time and effort they've spent in pouring into that horse, you know, whether it's schooling the fences or their showmanship pivots or, you know, 
anything. And it's just, it is the best to be able to see these kids, these, these, I mean, they're, they're not adults, they're kids who put this kind of effort. It's, it's a really magical moment. And that just that quick second in a snap, I'm like, all right, this is why I do this. And off I go. And so, you know, it's, it's a really rewarding moment to be able to see that for sure. I agree. There is so much to it. And I'm so glad that you mentioned Christine David Dellen because he actually produced for us a showmanship video and it's free for everybody listening. You just get on our website, um, CHA.horse, go ahead and go under the education tab, go under to the videos. And we've produced, oh gosh, at this point in time, probably over 50 uh, three to five minute videos. And he has um, one of them there. And boy, he does a great job kind of explaining showmanship, breaking it down to the pivots, what's current, some of the old trends, some of the newer trends. So check that out for those of you that are listening. I think that that's just a fun thing to do. So this is what Glenn likes on this show. And I think you've probably figured that out by now, as I know you've listened to the show many <laughs> times, Christine, but he loves fun examples of things that have happened at shows, trail rides, you yourself personally, anything like that to kind of wrap up before we yeah, the give more the more embarrassing, the better. Yeah, he's into yeah, that. Yeah. So do you have a little <laughs> example that you'd like to share? Sure. Yeah. So I have a story and I will, I will, uh, I believe I'm not going to say any names or locations to leave those, uh, those innocent, I believe is what was said before, but, <laughs> um, so I work a lot of horse shows, um, all across the board. There was one where we had a really funny thing, you know, when you have something that happens and at first it's not really funny, but it just gets funnier as, uh, as time goes on. Yes. And, uh, the group of gals that worked at that horse show now, we laugh about it. Uh, we could laugh about it daily if we wanted. Um, but it was a particularly stressful day. I know that's hard to imagine stress at a horse show. Um, but, uh, there was the facility staff were cleaning in a little closet across the hall from the horse show office. And they must have bumped into, um, a, fire extinguisher that then fell and uh, proceeded to explode, um, which if you've ever Whoa. seen them, it's kind of beautiful. <laughs> um, it, it sheared off the top of the fire extinguisher where you would pull the nozzle and it just shot up this white plume of, of powder. I'm assuming that was inside and filling up. Yeah. Uh, oh, did we lose her? Right at the climax I of her story. Just, it's the best part. What, what happened? Cliffhanger. Can you still hear me? Oh, oh there, there you is. are. There she is. All right. Start that part over because we got to the good part and then we didn't hear the end. <laughs> okay. What did you last hear? We, we heard <laughs> fire. Okay, we heard about the plume. Yeah. The plume, the okay, fire extinguisher the and then a plume. Of, yeah. So big plume of white, of white powder. And where we sit, we have a glass window that we can look out into the hallway. So we see it and we're not quite sure what it is. And I remember looking at my teammate and thinking, all right, what is this? And in about 30 seconds flat, it has filled up that entire hallway and then it's coming <gasps> under the door. And if you've ever seen a cartoon with like those little cartoon fingers coming under the door, yeah. that's, we were like, what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> and so I have never seen someone grab computers and equipment and run out of the door as fast as we did. <laughs> And it was the strangest story to tell people because I don't think they believed us. We were like, oh, the horse show office is closed because we exploded a fire extinguisher. <laughs> and they're looking at us like, what? You did what? And we're like, mm -hmm, yep, yep, come back later. <laughs> did it look it like it had snowed? Thing. It always looks like it snowed oh, after. everywhere. Yeah. It snowed everywhere. <laughs> and so the other hat I wear 
is uh, at, at this particular event is I'm in charge of decorating and things. So all I'm thinking at this moment is the decorations. So I'm <laughs> peering down as I'm being snowed upon every de- decor that I want to save. Cause I have no idea what this substance is going to do. I looked like a crazy person, <laughs> but uh, the good part is our facility took great care of us and got us cleaned up in about half an hour. We were back up and running, but that was the wildest thing that has ever happened to me at a horse show. <laughs> For sure. That is good. And I'll tell you what's so funny about that though. You guys were so smart to get all the equipment out of there. Cause that powder in all of your equipment, I bet your keyboards wouldn't have worked. I mean, I don't know. I think you were so smart to do that. That's super. Well, I'm going to tell you, panic makes you do things. <laughs> Ooh. It, it does. It does. Well, Very Christine, cool. we so appreciate you being on the show today. Could you give everybody uh, the website to find you and to find out more about uh, the Paint Horse Association? Yes, please. So our website is APHA.com. And uh, we do have um, information about the Pro Horseman program I talked about and our youth right there on the main page. They each have separate links across the top. So make sure to visit us and uh, check us out on Facebook. We're always having uh, fun fun things, some shares from CHA as well. So if you're looking for some fun information for your horses, that's a great place to check out as well. Official American Paint Horse Association on Facebook. Very good. We'll see you next month. All right. See you next month and have fun in uh, Fort Worth, okay? We will. We'll see you at Riata. I'll let you know, okay? Perfect. Perfect. Uh, That'll be excellent. All right. Take care. <laughs> yeah, Bye. Take care. Well, did you ever own a paint horse? You know, I have one now. I oh, fondly refer to him as my registered paint that ain't because he's solid black with four white socks, but he's a registered yeah, paint Yeah, that's horse. always confusing for people who don't know anything about horses is that you can have a paint horse that doesn't have any color. <laughs> yes. So he confusing. does have his blaze and his four white socks, but he has nothing above his hocks or his knees. So technically, I guess he could pass as a quarter horse, but he is a registered paint horse and he's my go-to lesson guy. Love him. His name is Socks, but it's S-O-X because he's cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool we all name. look for the splotches, don't we, when we hear, you know, the, we do. the, and Jennifer will remember this. Jennifer, do you remember the paint draft crosses that we had? This is going back 25 years now. We used to belong to a carriage club in Lexington County, Pennsylvania, and we went to one of the drives. They used to have drives all over the place, and we went to the, one of the drives, and there was a six in hand, I think, a six in hand of paint draft crosses pulling a wagon. They were Beautiful. the most stunning paints I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, they were huge. Obviously, they were draft crosses, but they just had the color and the flash. And and when you saw them, I think it was black harness, wasn't it, Jennifer? When you saw them in the black harness, pulling the carriage, six of them, it was really neat. Yeah, that was cool. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) That was cool. Have you ever owned a paint, Jennifer? We've owned everything else. The first horse that our family ever had was a paint. Um, the second horse we ever had was also a paint now that I think about it. And technically the third one we ever had was a paint. I think after that, there were no more. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. (laughs) First three. That was it. That was it. No more of those. (laughs) Yeah. But it's fun. You know, think about that before. There you go. Well, you, that just shows how many breeds you've owned over the years. And, you know, I'm a all breed, all discipline kind of gal myself, but every now and then you get one that sticks with you and boy, they last a lifetime with you. And I loved how Christine was talking about over in Europe, they're doing that kind of format. I think that's great. Yeah. None of ours ever had papers. All of our horses were, uh, sorry, we lost the title, (laughs) 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 but, uh, 
Yeah, they were paint on the outsides anyway. <laughs> we thought they were pretty cool because we were dumb little redneck kids and like, wow, we got Indian ponies. Woohoo! That's right. <laughs> They're beautiful. I think that's probably what the first what every kid thinks when they get their first paint. That's, that's right. <laughs> all the towns, we love them. That's we're going to ride bareback across the plains with our bow and arrow. That's what everybody thinks. And that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, and we have a thread started here on our Horses in the Morning page where people are posting pictures, listeners are posting pictures of their paints. So if you head on over to the Horses in the Morning Facebook page and scroll down, you'll see where the pictures are and you can post your picture too. That would be fun to have you guys. I'll have to uh, put socks up there. Yeah, put socks up there. That'd be, that'd be great. Do that. Yeah. yeah. Terrific. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Christy, remind everybody where they can go if they want to sign up for the conference or visit the website. Yes, if they go to CHA.horse and then under conference, they can sign up for our international conference. And I just want to do one more shout yeah. out to our sponsor of today's show from Well Pride. Thank you to Dr. Chalmers again and Well Pride for sponsoring the show. And make sure to take your fish oil and try it out for your horses, too. We and we uh we are back live here the rest of this week uh rest of this week uh right Jennifer yes we are back live Jamie will be back with us tomorrow morning I know we haven't had her on for a week now so everybody wants to hear the tales so she'll be back with us tomorrow morning and Friday and really bad ads is back on Friday too we didn't have it last week because of Ada so get your really bad ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com we have a couple of uh new prizes for you this month that we'll announce on Friday so get those ads in at jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Remember, you get double credit if you read them yourself. So get your phone out, hit the recorder, and read the ads yourself. You get double the entries into the contest every month. Well, Christy, thank you so much for doing this again. Next month, uh, we're, we have one more month, and then we're going to be at your place. Yes, and next month, I'm excited about the show. We're going to actually feature um, a few of our speakers and go ahead and uh, delve into their past and delve into all of their little secrets so that when you come to conference and see them, you have some stories to share about them. Ha <laughs> ha, it'll be fun. Oh, good. Good. Very good. Well, we'll we'll do that again next month. Thank you, everybody. If you want to hear the past episodes from the Certified Horsemanship Association, head on over to Horses in the Morning and just search for Certified Horsemanship or CHA. It'll bring up all the past episodes that we have done, and it's been a lot of them now, so be sure to head on over for that. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Glenn and Jen. Talk soon. We'll be back tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern on Horses in the Morning for another Muggle Derby update. So join us there. Take your fish oil. <laughs>